Hello everyone, my name is Haley and you're listening to Straight Talk with the Doc, a podcast that takes an in-depth look at addiction, mental health, and rehab. I'm here today with our content director, Jeff, and our medical director, Dr. Bot, to talk about a topic that has affected pretty much everyone in the entire world, and that, of course, is the coronavirus pandemic. I know my life has been altered because of it. Uh, Jeff and Dr. Bot, um, how has it impacted your lives? Jeff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an opportunity to speak uh, first. Yeah, I'll, I, I'll go first. Um, I, I have not had it. Um, I know a lot of people who have. Um, luckily, all of them have made a full recovery. Um, you know, a lot of my friends, um, a lot of my close friends were out of work for many months because everything was shut down. Um, you know, everyone has felt the econo- economic consequences of this thing. Um, you know, it's affected my mental health. I'm not going to lie. I can't imagine that, you know, it has, there isn't a single person whose mental health hasn't been affected, (laughs) uh, you know, by this, um, it, it, it's affected everybody and everything. It just has. No, yeah, no, it is. It's, it's, you know, as a physician, as an addiction medicine doctor, as a psychiatrist, I, I've looked at it from multiple ways. And as a, of course, as a human being dealing with it, just like everybody else, it has been extremely stressful and, you know, how it relates to people's mental health and substance use. Um, and I think that's where Haley's going with this, right? You know, that's what we're going to be talking about. It's, uh, it's really been, um, a huge, huge, um, trigger for many people in many different ways. And I guess we'll, we'll explore that a little bit more. Yeah. And I mean, everyone's been impacted, you know, like Jeff mentioned, it's not even if you get sick, but like your mental health is impacted. Um, A lot of us have struggled, you know, with the lockdown and the isolation and how that affects our mental health. Um, I'd also like to talk about the connection of how all of this is linked or possibly linked to the development of substance use disorders. Um, But I wanted to start by asking you, Dr. Bott, in like what ways has COVID impacted some people's mental health? Well, I, I think if you weren't anxious in the first place, definitely people's anxiety has gone up. Um, I think we look at things as, um, you know, as human beings, we want to control things. We want to at least have the illusion that we can control things or things that are modifiable. We, can, we have some uh, influence on it. You know, I think in our lifetime, for most people, we, we haven't seen anything like this before. So when a new disease comes out, um, and people don't know how to identify it, what to do about it. And there's so many, I, I can list off all the unknown variables. It creates a lot of stress and, and, and anxiety, worry. Am I going to get it? Are my kids going to get it? Who can I see? Who can I see? And, you know, we look to experts for direction. We look to what we see on TV. We, we look to government agencies. We look for our heads of states. We look for you know, our local doctors to, to guide us. And um, I think the unfortunate part of it, and again, not pushing or pointing blame or responsibility on anybody, but there was truly a lot of unknowns. So being that there was a lot of unknowns in the beginning, um, there, or, or even mixed messaging, let me say it that way, it created a lot of stress. So for those who have underlying mental health conditions, depression, anxiety, um, that's, that's a risk factor, right? Additional stress to exacerbate your already 
fragile mental health in the first place. And for those who weren't, um, it probably created a sense of um, significant uh, uneasiness. Yeah. And I think it's, it persists. And I think, and I know I'm pretty, getting a little wordy here, but, you know, it, could, it can range anywhere from even, you know, a small amount of adjustment disorder with anxiety or depression to a full-blown even post-traumatic like, stress disorder because people probably could envelop this so much of almost like, wow, I'm, am I going to die from this? And, and reviewing this as a, as a um, imminent threat to oneself, um, you know, being alive or not tomorrow yeah and, uh, yeah absolutely um you mentioned you know depression anxiety for some people maybe they've just developed it you know for some people this time may have made it a lot worse um can you kind of talk about the connection between those mental health disorders and substance abuse well if we look at substance abuse in general you know having a mental health illness comorbidity in itself is a risk factor for someone to develop an, an addictive disorder. I mean, to be somewhat broad, you know, genetics plays, you know, a 40 to 60, so 50% chance of one's um, risk of developing an addiction. And the other 50% is everything else. So if you have some sort of mental health condition, depression or anxiety, you know, some, some might seek out a drug to help mitigate or, you know, to get rid of that anxiety, to get rid of that depression. Um, and so, yeah, definitely um, there's, a, there's a correlation and a connection between having a, any sort of physical ailment, mental health ailment um, that, you know, increases your risk factor for substance use. Okay. During this time, um, have rates of substance abuse changed? Have they gone up or down? compared to before the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, I was reading somewhere um, recently that, you know, sales of alcohol had gone up. I mean, I don't know if they looked at if that was only because that also liquor stores were considered an essential business in many areas. So that would be something that's there. But, you know, people suffer from addiction, loneliness, isolation, boredom. These are all triggers. These are all risk factors to use. So those who suffered from uh, addiction right there when we were asked to, you know, social social distance and quarantine and isolate ourselves. I mean, those people who are suffering from those issues that put them at risk for using in the first place, um, you know, pushed them, many of them over the edge to, to relapse. And for those who didn't suffer from addiction, you know, yeah, they, they went out and they probably misused and had maladaptive patterns to help cope. So we did see in certain areas, in certain population, an increase amongst those who did have it, uh, suffer from addiction and substance use issues and those who did not, who turned to more maybe increased usage. Right. What are the risks of using drugs or alcohol to cope during this time? Well, you know, it, it, it doesn't make anything better. You know, it's like when we look at using drugs or alcohol to cope with anything aside from the pandemic, you know, drinking or using drugs is not going to make the pandemic go away. It's just masking, masking the feelings, masking the emotions. And, you know, I, I kind of have this weird analogy that in order for us to be healthy in life, uh, if we have to eat as nutrition, we have to process that. 
food and we have to digest it and then absorb it in order for us to gain anything from that, you know, food that we eat. Similarly with us, with, with, with experiences in our life, although they might not be the best tasting or they might be the best feeling, they might not be the best emotion. And again, I'm not matching all the metrics exactly, but the point being is that, you know, if we don't process and digest an experience, even uh, from a negative one or, 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 or a good one, if we don't process it, it's just going to linger there and it's going to be an obstruction. And unfortunately, when you end up dropping down the barrier, the drugs or alcohol, when you, you remove them, that is still going to be there for you to ultimately um, process later. And it's not going to be any more comfortable. If anything, it could be worse and more damaging to your physical or mental health. Hopefully that made sense if, if uh, what I was explaining there. But uh, yeah, it doesn't help at all. As in um, someone who's in addiction medicine, is there a certain substance that has been abused more than others in this time? I know you mentioned alcohol earlier. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've been in an opioid. I mean, I think it's been there and there's other drugs that have been there, but there's somewhat more recognition of opioid as an increased, you know, epidemic. Um, and again, yes, th there has been, you know, we've seen over the, you know, in the early 2000s to the mid 2010, 11, 12, we saw an increased rise of, you know, transition from opioid analgesic medicine to heroin and deaths that came afterwards. And, you know, it caught a lot of attention uh, and rightfully so. So th that's been there. Um, and we've been really cognizant, I think, in the media of this um, opioid crisis. But, you know, let's not forget, you know, alcoholism and other drugs that are there. Um, it, it didn't just go down. So, you know, like I mentioned before, there have been noted higher rates in certain populations of increased alcohol usage and other illicit substance use um, over this time. And it, it's sad because, you know, many people are sitting at home, they're alone, they can't communicate or can't access those people that normally are you know, su support systems for them. So they tend to go and use alcohol or drugs as a, as a crutch, um, as, as a way to, you know, suppress those negative feelings. And uh, for many people, you know, using drugs, especially, you know, certain drugs like alcohol, which is not illegal, but it is something that alters our, our state of mind. It's often used in a social setting. So there could be that, you know, conditioning feeling that, hey, at least I am substituting and I'm going to go out and grab that drink. And unfortunately, though, it doesn't replace somebody. But, you know, people are drinking alone and um, it gets worse and worse. And, uh, you know, we've seen that rise, um, especially in that. You, um, you just mentioned something that I thought was very interesting, you know, about people drinking alone instead of drinking socially. Um, I know that, do you feel in general that like solo use or solo drinking is more dangerous than social drinking? Or is that just um, kind of like a symptom of a problem? You know, it really, I think it, 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 it ultimately, the short answer would be it really depends on how it's affecting your entire life. You know, drinking alone or drinking with others, if ultimately, you know, 
you're still able to function properly. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to quote and list the rattle off, you know, the the scientific definitions of heavy drinking or binge drinking quantified that way, which is like if you drink more than 14 drinks for, uh, per week as a male, you know, you're considered at higher risk or heavy drinking or more than, you know, two drinks per day. Um, you know, in the end of the day, if you're doing it one way or the other within a group or by yourself, if you're doing it in a way that affects your health negatively, your relationships negatively, your work and employment, you know, um, all those different domains that we have in our lives, if it starts to negatively impact, I think it's it's irrelevant if you're drinking alone or with others. I think it depends on uh, all those other metrics. If you're if you're screwing up your life as a as a result of drinking or using drugs uh, alone or with others, um, I think the impact is uh, and the, the quality of life and the functionality and the consequences uh, are what we look at, opposed to um, you know drinking being alone could be a risk factor. Or, or being around your friends could be a risk factor, a trigger. That, I think, is there, you know. But to just say is one, you know, more or less worse than the other, um, no, I think it, it just really depends on what the consequences are of being alone and drinking or being with others and drinking. Okay. So for someone, say, who, like, before COVID, you know, maybe they didn't really drink, you know, they didn't use drugs, um, but during this time, they've started to. Like, what are some signs that they should pay attention to that may mean that they have a serious problem? You know, I think it's 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 hard for people to 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 gauge themselves sometimes. You know, especially when you you're t- talking about a substance that alters the way you think. So you know, that's a question often we can answer properly when we're thinking rationally. So hopefully, someone has the wherewithal has the has the ability to ask those questions about how it's affecting their lives in a moment of sobriety, you know, um, you know, sometimes it's hard. I think most of us, when, um, things negative haven't occurred, we don't ask ourselves, are we doing it in any maladaptive or excessive way? So that's often the, the, the difficulty here is, are we able to monitor and check ourselves before something bad happens? So to answer your question is, you know, you know, recognizing the increased uh, amounts is one thing. And if you have friends or family members who are suffering with addiction or, or alcohol or substance use disorders, you know, do you look like them? Are you behaving like that? Has somebody made a comment about it? But then, you know, doing these uh, screening questions for yourself, um, has my behavior changed where I feel I need to, you know, there's a cage questionnaire. Do I need to cut down? Do I have that feeling that I need to cut down? Um, do I get annoyed? That's the A, you know, uh, because somebody tells me that um, I am using too much. Um, am I feeling guilty? That's the G, uh, you know, in the cage, you know, screening. Am I feeling guilty about my substance use? And and then, you know, E, do I need it in the morning? Do I get up and need it as an eye opener? And often this is used as a screening questionnaire for alcohol, but I'm, I'm just saying in general, if you if you see patterns of behavior that are causing you to feel the need to cut down or you get, you're getting annoyed or feel guilty or need it in the morning to function, or there's negative things happening at work or you got arrested or, you know, your family's calling you out on it. Well, you know, obviously these are signs and these are, um, 
ways to, to look at yourself. Wait a minute. Do I need to stop? Is this affecting me? And um, do I need to seek help? Right. And I know another sign is also wanting to stop or attempting to stop and not being able to. Um, and in that case, right now, have you seen that like more or less people are seeking treatment? Because you mentioned there's you know been an increase in substance abuse, but are people going to treatment or less? I think that's that's you know subjective, um, based on probably the geographical region, the access to treatment. Um, are we talking inpatient or outpatient? Um, you know, I, me being in, in, in South Florida, where there just happens to be a higher density of, of treatment centers, you know, um, and some of the ones that I work for um, that are larger, reputable facilities, we, we have seen an uptick. We have um, probably initially there was a, um, a slowdown when the, when the pandemic was first alerted and people were restricted in the way they could move around. But, you know, as a, as a healthcare facility, um, as healthcare, you know, providers, you know, as essential uh, providers uh, to the community, uh, we did see an uptick of people seeking out treatment. And I think that correlates a lot to, you know, people um, probably having multifactorial issues. One, did they, did they relapse? And two, um, and, and I, I hate to say it, I mean, them being alone and isolated, you know, was it easier to cope while being in treatment than being alone in your apartment and not being able to go to work and not being able to um, see your friends or even able to hang out and do nothing? What about access to your drug dealer or access to your sponsor? You know, these are all issues. So if you're using, it might be easier to come and get into treatment just because I was not going to have to worry about you know, getting food or seeking shelter. So, you know, depending on the, 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 you know, the perspective, if it's a primary or secondary gain, you know, um, I'm not looking, mean, you know, we're not digging into that when I know you didn't ask me that question, but I think about all of these things, you know, as to why, you know, we saw what we saw and have seen. So, but um, just to answer quickly, yeah, I, we saw uh, an uptick in, in some of the larger, more reputable treatment centers um, and people seeking help. Okay. I want to jump back a little bit uh, to the mental health and depression. Have Has there been an increase in suicides or attempted suicides during this time? You know, I don't have the, 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 the raw numbers off the top of my head, you know. Um, but, you know, I think as we've seen in many other uh, societal stressful um, events or times in our lives, whether it be where there's financial um, consequences, uh, the, the Great Depression and, um, you know, recent recessions, you know, we do see um, some correlation with increase in, uh, you know, suicide. It's happened. Um, but off the top of my head, I don't think I have that number or statistic that I can provide to you, um, you know, especially because I have moved somewhat away from acute inpatient psychiatric care and inpatient um, primary mental health, more in the substance abuse realm. So I don't necessarily maybe um, mix with that population, but uh, yeah, I, I am sure when and there's more devastating events in history, there's often been an increase in people who unfortunately uh, do take their lives. 
Right. Yeah, and I'm sure that's also something that, you know, we will see in years to come, you know, when we can look back at numbers. Um, back to treatment, um, you mentioned, you know, the fear, the anxiety. What are some of the reasons that somebody would hesitate seeking treatment when they know that they have a substance abuse problem? You know, that's that's that really depends, you know, on, on the individual. Um you know, I think I think people would ask themselves, despite the fact that they might be injecting themselves with, you know, very dangerous doses of illicit drugs or drinking to the point where their cirrhosis or health is just consider continuing to get, you know, worse. You know, people are afraid that if I go to 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 seek treatment, am I going to catch COVID? Am I if I'm supposed to go out of the house, am I going to get sick? Who am I going to run into? And, and, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, unfortunately, with addiction, we tend to rationalize what we want to in, in, in order to continue to use, you know. So even if this means a true reason, meaning that, you know, if you go out, you could risk getting COVID if you go unprotected or if you go in large social situations or gather in crowds or if you take proper precautions. But I do believe, regardless of the uh, underlying motive behind it, there is probably that thinking, hey, am I going to get um, sick? Am I going to be around people who are sick? And I don't want to get sick. And I don't want to catch this, um, this, in, this infectious disease. And that stops people from going out and, and seeking help and seeking treatment. I just, uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to say... <laughs> There, there's always a million reasons to not seek treatment. If you if you look hard enough, and you chances are you won't have to look that hard, you can find some justification for not seeking treatment. Exactly, um, and that's that's that was my point, and I, I appreciate you, Jeff, you, talk, you you're saying it straight up like that. You know, it, it, that's the truth. You know, people are always going to find a reason not to go and, and get the help that they need. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if if you could just go into treatment in the morning and then come back, you know, an hour later and then not ever want to use drugs or alcohol again, everyone would just do that. <laughs> um, but you know, you will, you will find a reason if you, if you are determined enough to find a reason not to go, you, you will, but you, you really have to look at the benefit of like really taking, you know, control of your life back, um, or getting yourself out of whatever situation, you know, you're in. Exactly. And, you know, and, and I've seen uh, many treatment centers for those individuals, like, for example, that are having true, you know, hesitation to seek treatment because of this. You know, there are many centers out there that have gone, you know, above and beyond to um, make their setting as as safe as possible. You know, centers are out there, you know, doing multiple enhanced cleanings. They've They've gotten like, you know, consultants from hospitals to help. And, um, you know, figure out ways to do infection control better. You know, they, they have, you know, procured testing and uh, COVID swab testing and, and, and affiliated themselves with labs and, you know, have people wearing masks and uh, pro provide, you know, non-alcoholic hand sanitizers. And you know, there's so many different things that, you know, treatment centers and healthcare facilities have done to help just like other healthcare entities have done to, you know, limit uh, infectious disease transmission. And, you know, most of these um, 
bigger centers and many of these treatment entities, you know, they are accredited by their local um, licensed by their local state agencies. And many are accredited by, you know, higher accreditation bodies that also accredit hospital systems and other healthcare entities. So, you know, they have a certain standard that they have to maintain in order to stay active. So, um, you know, yes, I think what you said, Jeff, is correct. If you want to have a reason not to go get help, if you want to have a reason to continue using for sure. But, you know, you could do your due diligence and investigate the treatment center that you are thinking about going to and ask them, hey, what what, what have you done? What are you guys doing to keep um, people safe who want to come to, to treatment? You know, have your loved ones call. Do whatever you need to do to, to, to get those questions answered. And, of course, without that, you know, whatever rationalization you can make to avoid going to treatment. But, you know, all that aside, you know, make that legitimate effort. Yeah, I'm sure that treatment center will be happy to provide answers about what they're doing to help keep those individuals who come safe. You mentioned a lot of this already, but, you know, the questions that somebody should ask before they go into treatment, you know, they really, during this time, you shouldn't just walk in completely blind, you know. Um, What other kinds of research should I do beforehand if I was if I was entering treatment? I, I would ask them all, as much as I could. You know, I would make a list of things that I would ask about. You know, like, what are you doing to keep people safe from from getting COVID-19 specifically? You know, um, you know, I would ask them, uh, how many people am I going to be in a room with? Um, are you uh, if I need to get tested? Um, how do you guys have access to testing? How long does it take for me to get the testing results back on average? I know that's a big one, right? I mean, we have, you know, state and government agencies that uh, can't promise you to turn around time and adequate time. But I think we've moved a little bit, you know, further along in that system where, you know, uh, some of these private agencies are actually getting test results back pretty quick. Um, But yeah, and what are you doing to screen others to make sure, you know, that, you know, you're limiting people coming in who have the chance of having COVID, you know, from temperature checks to uh, asking about have they traveled to different areas, um, you know, to, you know, different histories um, that they might be asking of individuals coming in and screening questions. So, yeah, I, I would be asking uh, a ton of questions um, on how are they keeping, you know, individuals safe um, in this time. And um yeah, even about dining and, and groups and, you know, uh, how many people, how, how are you guys controlling that? You know, um, how, how are my individual sessions going to be? You know, um, how often do I get to see a doctor? You know, how, how is my temperature checked? You know, re- reasonable questions, you know, you should, you should uh, ask right up front. And um, if, it's, if a facility is going to be taking you on, they should be able to provide you all those answers. Yeah, absolutely. And the list is a great idea. So you just have that in front of you. You know, you can get these questions answered. Yeah, I think, you know, people who, um, I mean, it's just, it's, I, I've seen both sides, but a lot of times people who suffer from like mental illness or they, we, 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 you know, we tend to feel guilty about what we're doing and how we've done. So, we, you know, we almost feel great if somebody accepts us. But at the same time, you know, and then I've seen the, 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 the flip side, you know, so many people are coming through different treatment centers, to be very honest, they feel very entitled about, um, you know, they're not serious about their treatment, and they feel entitled about just the care that they should be receiving. 
And so that, that's another way to kind of like deviate from and focus on the real recovery and, and seeking sobriety and, they, you know, kind of just bring out all these red herrings and distract from, um, you know, what's really going on. But at the same time, you know, nobody should feel bad about asking these questions. These are things that are legitimate things that we are worried about uh, throughout the world. And if you're going to take that step to go into treatment, I think, you know, anybody has a right to know all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is there anything else on this topic that uh, we didn't talk about that you think it's important for people to know? You know, I think at the end of the day, um, as we've, we've all spoken about, Jeff kind of hit it very plainly that, you know, people are going to come up with every reason to not go and seek help and seek treatment. And, and COVID being a legitimate thing out there, um, it worries everybody. But, you know, you really got to really weigh the risk versus the benefits, you know, because um, another hit of, you know, crack or another injection of, of, of heroin, it can kill you tomorrow. And, um, you know, if you go to and ask all those questions and, you know, take the proper precautions, you know, I think it's, it's a better bet to go to treatment. Yeah, I just wanted to add, you know, you're probably more likely to catch COVID, you know, in a dark bar with a bunch of people than you are at a socially, you know, properly socially distanced rehab. Um, and, you know, regardless of <clears throat> COVID, addiction will kill you. <laughs> I mean, if you let it go unchecked, they will. Um, that's, <laughs> this is a sure thing. Yeah. I mean, in, in the end of the day, you know, um, I think regardless of the pandemic being here or not, that's exactly right. I mean, if we had to make, if we wagered, you know, are you going to be better off with or without drugs? You're going to be better off without drugs. And I think that's the take home message. And if that means going to treatment to get that help, like you said, if you've done the investigation and you've, you know, try to do the proper vetting. Yeah. You know, most likely the behaviors you're doing while using drugs are a lot more unsafe than going to seek treatment at some place that has um, put the proper precautions in place. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, addiction is dangerous. And I think, you know, it's such a vital time to support the people in your life. Um, if it seems like someone's struggling, don't hesitate to reach out, help them find resources and, you know, explore their options. Um, we have some great resources on addictioncenter.com. And you can also write in to Dr. Ba on Addiction Center and ask him your questions. Our other podcast episodes are up on the site as well, and you can listen to those for free anytime. So make sure you check those out if you haven't already. Um, thank you, Jeff and Dr. Bot, for going over this. And thank you, everyone who tuned in. We hope you'll join us next time on Straight Talk with the Doc.